Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. And we are at podcast 98, coming close to that 100 mark, and we'll have a special show then. But we have a great show today. We actually have four very interesting questions. And uh, I'm getting inundated with so many questions, so doing my best to keep up with it all. And I want to start off with a question from Betty, and she's writing in about cataracts. So she says that she's got, uh, she's been diagnosed with uh, cataracts in her right eye, and the surgeon wants to do surgery, but she still feels like she can see well enough, and she'd like to try some complementary methods. What do I suggest? Well, the rule of thumb in getting cataract surgery is if it's interfering with your daily lifestyle. So if you're having difficulty seeing the road signs, looking at your computer, uh, you're probably you know approaching the time when you want to get cataract surgery. But if you're still able to function at a high level, then most definitely the complementary therapies should be at least tried if you're open-minded, if you want to go for it. So uh, there's so many things with uh, improving lens health, but I, I just want to go over uh, two aspects today. And the first, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the relationship between glutathione and lens health. And there was a research article that was published in the Journal of Ocular Pharmacology. And in this particular journal, researchers took a look at the relationship between low glutathione levels and cataract formation. And lo and behold, they found that there is a correlation between low levels of glutathione and a higher risk of developing cataracts. And in the article, they talked about how glutathione can act like a scavenger, and it eats up the metabolic waste, just like a Pac-Man. Now, initially, glutathione uh, worked very well for people who were diagnosed with what we call nuclear cataracts. These are cataracts in the center part of the lens. But in reading further along in the article, uh, researchers also found that there was low levels of glutathione in the cortical part of the lens. That's the lens that's around the edge. And it's interesting because another factor involved in cortical cataracts is the relationship between uh, sugar levels, so eating you know, moderate to high amounts of sugar, being diagnosed with diabetes or blood sugar issues, and the development of cortical cataracts. In fact, diabetes is one of the risk factors that can uh, accelerate cataracts to form. So the bottom line is whatever kind of cataract you have, glutathione is something that I think you should consider, whether it's in a, a liposomal or sublingual form. Uh, I think uh, increasing your glutathione levels is really essential. The second part of the cataract uh, you know, journey in terms of 
possibly using another complementary therapy would be boosting your vitamin C. Again, uh, there have been studies actually even uh, reported in the American Academy of Ophthalmology, which state that if a person is eating or eating foods that have higher concentrations of vitamin C, uh, they have a lower risk of developing cataracts. And one of the superfoods I love to get a high concentration of vitamin C is camu camu, which is from a berry. And that certainly could be something you could consider or, uh, you know, just eating more foods that contain vitamin C in it or supplementing as well. So that's the aspect on kind of the biochemical level. There are other things as well, but just touching on those two aspects, uh, Betty, that's what I would start working with. And last but not least, people underestimate the power of the eye clarity eye exercises for cataracts. That's my eye exercise program, which is on my website. It's free. You can download it, and it's a 90-day eye exercise program. And why do I why am I so high on it? Because when you do eye exercises, you're stimulating the circulation, the lymph in the eyes, and you're reducing the eye stress. And this just gets the circulation in the eye to have more oxygenation, to have more hydration. And these are risk factors for metabolic waste that tends to accumulate in the lens of the eye when there's what we call chi stagnation of um, energy and circulation flow. And so uh, I would definitely add the, the eye exercises. So I want to thank you for the question and best of luck to you. All right, the second question I want to address today is about glaucoma. Now, glaucoma is a very scary disease because we don't really know we have glaucoma, and we can go to the eye doctor and he or she can, you know, do the, the proper tests like measuring your eye pressure, examining your optic nerve, and uh, taking a, a reading of your visual fields or peripheral vision. Uh, but with glaucoma, there's an issue with the internal circulation of the eye. Um, it's a form of vascular disease, and certainly things like stress, trauma, inflammation uh, can be culprits. There is a genetic factor in you know glaucoma running in fa families. But I want to uh, I want to address an alternative to what standard eye care does, which is usually prescribing uh, something called prostaglandins or uh, beta blockers. These are the, eye, the regular eye drops and also doing laser surgery uh, later on to see if you can open up the circulation in the meshwork and the small vessels of the eye that may cause the clogging. Well, there was a study um, that was done uh, where they took 90 patients and uh, there was a placebo group and a regular group, and they were given this herbal remedy called 1% for Skillin coleus. And coleus is something I've known about for a long time as an herbal remedy potentially bringing eye pressure down. Well, the results of the study, now this was 90 patients between the ages of 18 and 60, and their intraocular pressure came down 
uh, about five points, which is pretty unheard of uh, in terms of having a natural remedy do that. So if you've been diagnosed with glaucoma, I don't want you to leave your eye doctor. In fact, it's important that you get a baseline of your, you know, your eye pressure, your visual fields, what the state of the optic nerve is. And then if you feel so inclined to try this coleus herbal remedy, it's uh, readily available on the internet and just follow the dosage uh, on the bottle. Some other essential ingredients for improving optic nerve health, which is the major culprit in terms of the optic nerve really bears the brunt of damage when you have glaucoma. So increasing your fats and oils, especially um, if you can increase the DHA part of the omega-3, <clears throat> that can be very helpful. Taurine is an amino acid that's super important for optic nerve health. And ginkgo. Ginkgo is another one that uh, has been shown in certain research studies to improve optic nerve health. So I think that um, some other things that I might consider with glaucoma would be acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, my eye exercises, eating a diet that's mostly plant-based, and um, you know reducing inflammatory foods, uh, wearing blue blockers. Uh, so these are all things that are are you know within the norm of what I would consider. And you may just find that with glaucoma, if you start doing these things, um, you may be able to neutralize some of the effects of it. So I want to thank you for the question. Let's move to question number three. And this is a question about vertigo. And this is a, a young woman who's living in New York State. And she was diagnosed with a condition called uh, vestibular insufficiency dysfunction. Now, the vestibular is the inner ear, and so there's an instability in her inner ear, which is part of our balance mechanism, and she wants some advice from me. Well, with vertigo, uh, we've got the, the perceptual triangle of the eyes, the ears, and the feet, and the eyes and the ears are kind of like the GPS system that tells our proprioception, uh, our feet, where we are in space, our orientation. And in vertigo, at some level, you're getting triggered that your GPS system isn't working properly or you don't trust your GPS system. And this is creating some level of disorientation, dizzy, dizziness, nausea. And it can be quite disconcerting, especially if it's a quick onset. You know, things are are good and then all of a sudden you start feeling uh, dizzy and nauseous. Um, so on a biochemical level, uh, I'm just going to run through a list of, of nutrients that sometimes are, you're deficient in if you're suffering vertigo. So the first would be low levels of vitamin B12. The second would be um, uh, magnesium. The third would be vitamin D deficiency. And the fourth is you may not be drinking enough water. Now, those are simple solutions that you could take a look at. Um, I tend to work with vertigo in a very whole body way, even though I'm focusing in on the eyes and the ears. 
so offering things like um, different uh, physical eye therapy exercises to start improving the balance and orientation. Uh, and sometimes you have to start very slowly in terms of getting a person to start inhabiting or occupying that perceptual triangle in a better way. Sometimes, um, you know, color therapy can be helpful on the eyes. Um, the, the physical eye therapy exercises also can be very beneficial as well. Uh, craniosacral therapy uh, is another uh, modality that I like to use with vertigo. And it's not necessarily a simple solution where X cause, you know, treats Y symptom and gets Z result. You know, it, there are many different facets. If you've had traumatic brain injury or some level of concussion, closed head trauma, uh, sometimes you're more susceptible to getting vertigo. Um, so I've worked with a lot of football players, soccer players, and, you know, when they have multiple uh, TBIs, this definitely affects their brain and uh, they end up having, having um, some, some symptoms of vertigo. And again, doing some really good phytochemicals and nutrients along with the physical therapy things, uh, you can get it back. You can do really well with it. And it takes time. It's definitely, definitely a process. All right, I'm going to take one more question. And this is a gentleman who has a condition called crossed eyes. And he was diagnosed with strabismus. Um, and it was actually an adult set onset strabismus. So his right eye sometimes turns in. So it's not all the time. It's just some of the time. He had all the neurological tests done, MRI, looking for tumors and, uh, you know, different inflammatory situations, neurodegenerative diseases, and everything came back normal. So the one uh, technique that was offered was surgery, strabismus, eye muscle surgery. So I want to just uh, touch base briefly about the pros and cons of, of eye muscle surgery. Whenever you change the length of the eye muscle, if you don't tell the brain what you've done, the eye is going to revert. It's going to revert back to where it was before the surgery. So although you might get a cosmetic cure um, temporarily, what it does permanently is it confuses how the brain directs the eye muscles. And I want to underline that word permanently because when you have eye muscle surgery, it sets up a situation where your brain sends the signals to the eyes and the eye muscles. And if that muscle has been physically changed, the brain doesn't know what to do with that. And so a lot of times, whether the eye was turning in or turning out before the surgery, it's basically going to go back to where it was after the surgery. And I think the success rate of eye surgery is somewhere around 30%, 33%, and that's a cosmetic cure. So he is rife for the physical eye therapy retraining, re-educating, I call it neuroplasticity training, to teach him how to use his two eyes together using the brain as the source of learning how to direct the eyes and the eye muscles. Now, part of this in any physical therapy program around strabismus is to um, bring the body into it, meaning 
we may do some bilateral repatterning. We may do some things with the vestibular system to stimulate the balance. Uh, we may do some things to help with integrating both sides of the brain and the body. So think of the physical therapy as a form of neuroplasticity training. And you can learn and develop your eyes and vision into old age. I have so many patients who are, hmm, how can we say, they're elders. And they have uh, been remarkable at, you know, reversing and reducing different pretty serious eye conditions. So with this fellow who's in his mid-50s, what I would say is do not do the surgery, opt out of it, and dive into my, optic, uh, my eye clarity, uh, physical eye therapy exercises, and uh, they could really be a game changer for you in terms of you learning how to use your two eyes together. So I hope that's helpful, and um, I think that's it. I think it's a wrap. So I want to thank you very much for those of you that are tuning in. Uh, this will also be put up audio, uh, an audio uh, portion on my website, also Apple iTunes, and uh, spread the word. Um, thank you so much for tuning in today, and until next time, take care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.